Today on In Good Faith, we're having our annual roundup of our favorite episodes and some of our favorite guests for the year, for 2023. So we've gathered together the full In Good Faith production team. We've got our senior producer, Heather Bigley. Hello, good morning. Also with me is Leah King. Hi, glad to be here. Ashton Rowan. Good morning, everyone. And Katarina Martinich. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. So we work a lot together, but usually in small, smaller groups or separated at computers. But here's our chance to look back on the episodes that we've done for 2023, which were on a lot of different subjects and went some new directions we haven't taken in good faith before. So it's been exciting to have everybody bring a couple of audio clips and to think through what really impressed them. And anything else you want to say, Heather, about this look back? Well, I I think it's important to say we uh, went to another country uh, for only twelve days, but we managed to get we managed to get ten episodes out of it, um, and that was a big deal. That was a big experiment for us. We're hoping uh, to do experiments like that. We also moved to an hour long. Um, episode every week. So that's also big with our little team right. that we were able to pull that off. Um, we've also got all kinds of things happening on YouTube and the folks that are sitting at the table are often in charge of things like our Instagram accounts and our YouTube accounts and doing all that kind of work um, that's very, very necessary in today's podcasting landscape. So a uh, big shout out to all of them, Leah, Ashton, and Katarina for all the work they do with video and with um, just stalking people on the internet. Ashton looking at people's genealogies <laughs> and Leah's messaging people on all the platforms to try to get them to pay attention to us. So we really appreciate everything they do. Well, we'll just go ahead and launch in. But first, Leah, we're going to start with you okay. and, and one of the guests that you picked out. But first, tell us what you do for In Good Faith. I do the social media for In Good Faith. So I run the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Shorts, and TikTok. Which is really great because sometimes we see you with a, a microphone roving around on campus asking people interesting questions. And then other times... You're just creating some fun video moments that will clue people in to what the podcast is. Yeah. And you've also got to go to Chicago um, as part of our marketing team and yep. be there. That was really great. Yeah. I would add this this year we went to the Parliament of the World's Religions, both having a booth there, but also we applied to present and we were granted the chance to present in one of the sessions on Interfaith Community Action, which was a great chance to meet some amazing folks. And we have even had episodes and have upcoming episodes using interviews from those folks. So, Leah, who did you pick out as a memorable guest? First, I have Mara Menzies from the Ritual episode, and she'll talk about honoring her heritage and the power of story. I come from uh, amazing people, yes. <laughs> I mean, my grandfather was a real feminist, and then my grandmother was just such a brave and courageous woman. And I feel it's really important that we do find out stories about who we come from. Um, and if there's something there we don't like, well, we are not them. You know, now is our chance to change the story. And if it's something that is really good and positive, then let us, you know, honor that and carry it on. So... <laughs> and, you know, I really think that people need to understand the power of story and the value of story. Um, because whatever situation we're in, stories are, are the things that give us the tools to get us out of any difficult situations. 
Yeah, so I loved her interview because, first of all, she was just such a captivating speaker, and you just want to listen to everything she has to say. But also it reminded me of a TED Talk called The The Danger of a Single Story, which is super interesting, and I think a lot of people know it. And I think it encapsulates a lot of what we do here at In Good Faith, talking about everyone's stories and the power of different beliefs and listening to everyone. And so that's why I really liked her interview and the ritual episode. I love this idea of looking backwards and finding the stories that inspire us, but also acknowledging, hey, everything wasn't, you know, 100% with what my family did, and it's okay, right? I think sometimes we have these ideas that um, if we don't, like, celebrate everything that our ancestors did or the people we come from did, that somehow we're disavowing them or we're, you know, walking away from the good things they did. And that's not true at all. And I think— for a lot of us, it's actually really freeing to say, yeah, my grandmother's shot her husband, and uh, that's probably the craziest thing you'll ever hear from Heather Bigley <laughs> about her family. Um, but that didn't mean my grandmother wasn't a woman who was trying really hard at different other parts of her life to be a God-fearing woman and to raise us all up in the way that we wanted to go. So I love that from Mara. And the fact that she's a storyteller, I mean, she does have gifts, like you mentioned. She's fascinating to listen to. But hearing stories from from any of our guests just opens my mind to how people live and how I might even choose to live. Like, it gives me new possibilities of other ways of thinking of things or dealing with situations that is really inspiring to me. I also love this idea about stories... Uh, on a faith level in the way that books of scripture across all different religions are so full of stories that teach us about their own families and their own experiences. And they teach us about, about God and faith and belief. And I just think that stories are very powerful in that way. And Mara really touches on that. Ashton, you were introduced as our staff stalker, but I think the actual <laughs> the actual function is more. I think research is probably a better term. <laughs> Talk to me about what you do for the team. Yes, I prefer to call my stalking research, but <laughs> I do do a, I do contribute a lot of research to the show. I help research guests and schedule them for our interviews. Um, I also do a lot of transcribing for our episodes and making sure that we get that that content out in a in a transcription. Great. And who's one of the guests you you pulled? Uh, Yeah, the first guest I want to talk about is Reverend Ben Perry from episode 155. In this episode, I got hired this year, and when I was first getting interviewed and starting to apply, I listened to this episode, and it's the one that really got me excited about the job and excited about the show because I just really loved what, what Ben Perry had to say he gave an interview about his book that was published this year that's called Cry Baby, Why Our Tears Matter. And he talks about this concept of crying and how it connects, how crying connects us to other people and connects us to God. And he tells this, this really interesting story that really struck me about how when he was in seminary as a college-age student, he had this experience where they were talking about crying and vulnerability and he realized that he hadn't cried in over a decade since he had just become so closed off to emotion because of experiences he had had as a child. And after that, he decided that he was going to make himself cry every day just so that he could feel something, so that he could get in touch 
with his emotions and get in better touch with God and others around him. And after he tells that story, he gives this really interesting uh, bite that I, that I really liked about how this vulnerability can connect us to God and connect us to others. When I started feeling again, it added a dimension to my prayer life, to the, the hymns of praise that I would sing that made me feel that relationship with God in a different kind of way. I had a intellectual understanding of who God might be. I was a Presbyterian growing up. It's a very heady faith. Uh, and so I had a very good intellectualized ideas about God. I did not have a personal relationship with God. And it was that experience of reacquainting myself with my own emotions that opened me up enough to have a real relationship with God, which is also, I think, what enabled me to later have better relationships with other people. Yeah, the reason I love that, especially for me, is just because in my life, I can easily point to specific instances that I feel have been my most spiritual moments that involved relationships and crying. And that's just what made me feel closest to God because of this this closeness with others in these environments of vulnerability and spirituality. And I just really loved how Reverend Perry talked about that. Yeah, when he says, when I started feeling again, it's yeah. like, had he decided to shut down or it had just sort of happened, like you said, because yeah. of circumstances? It got me thinking, some, sometimes I will say no to going to a movie if I know there will be a big emotional investment because I think <laughs> I'm not there today. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Uh, my wife is always ready to cry. If she hasn't cried during the day, I, th I think, what's up? Yeah. Because just any sweet little thing, any dramatic thing, any painful thing, it's just right there. And I sometimes feel like, how do I crack this rock that is my heart? Because I want to be more like that. I also, though, would like to have the choice of whether <laughs> I'm constantly crying. So I was really moved by that interview, partly because of his commitment that you mentioned to bring himself to cry every day. And I thought, what would it take if I decided to do that, even for a week? To what lengths would I have to go to make that happen, I wonder? Well, I think it's so interesting that I myself go to movies in order to feel emotions, or at least I did for a really long time. It was a very safe place to feel emotion. Mm. And when I listened to Ben Perry, I thought to myself, you know, we sort of assume that— that um, that everybody has all these emotions ready to brim, but maybe that's what the world does to us. The world makes us a little harder. And maybe in our pursuits to becoming like God, it's about cracking open um, our hearts just a little bit more. And um, But I do think there is something about personalities, right? I think there are people who have that. Maybe it's a gift of the Spirit. Maybe it's not personality, but gift of the Spirit to feel and to love in that way um, that I'm just learning to do. And, and it's in the vulnerable moments where we really connect with each other and relate. Yeah. I think. How about you, Heather? Who, do, who did you pick? I have, our first one is Howie Wettstein. You guys should know how much I love Howie Wettstein. <laughs> um, and in fact, we just recently were going to have um, a 
Leah edited down uh, the transcript of uh, Howie Wettstein's interview for Wayfair, which is a magazine journal from um, the Faith Matters group. And you can find us in Wayfair um, upcoming. Um, And so when we were looking over that to do that transcription, I was like, oh, my gosh. I remember why I love this. Um, This is from episode 149, Bregman and Wettstein, Why is Death Important to Our Spirituality? And um, Howie here is doing something I love, which is he's defining a word. And that's one of my favorite, favorite joys. What's the real definition of the word or where did that definition come from? So the Bible talks a lot about faith. It uses the Hebrew word emunah, which, mean, which I guess should be translated mostly as faith, I think, not belief. It's not about belief. You can't say in biblical Hebrew, I believe that God exists. There's no natural way to say that. God was like a piece of the furniture of the universe, and it wasn't controversial. It's like saying, I believe the weather exists. What are you, what are you talking about? Um, so the biblical way of doing these things has to do with faith, where faith is a kind of openness to God and a kind of uh, loyalty and sense of connection. So uh, he also, in that interview, brings in the word intimacy, right? That loyalty, that connection, that actually ties into intimacy. And that, for me, was such a remarkable thing mind-blowing moment to say, oh, it's not about believing that God exists, but it's about engaging in a relationship with God where he is an intimate, where I trust him and I want him to trust me. Um, And that sort of changed my whole year. Like I thought, I want to strive for that uh, more than I have been in the past. Mm. I love in that interview, he talks at the end about the story of Job And he gives one iteration of the ending, and he says, honestly, you know, that doesn't work for me. That's not—I don't follow that storyline. That doesn't doesn't connect with me. And then he gives an alternate ending, the one that he believes is more accurate or touches his spirit more. And I just love his honesty in saying, you know, that didn't work for me. I'm going to think of the scripture in a new way. I love the interview. (laughs) And really, for In Good Faith, this is a chance for us to think— who are the fascinating people in the world of faith or spirituality that we wish we could meet or talk to? And we have the excuse to do that and then have a front row seat. And I hope that, especially for, for you who are listening, that you will that you'll really feel like you're right there in that conversation at the table with us. That's been one of the, the joys of my time being the host of In Good Faith. Katarina Martinich, you do so much for us in a lot of different ways, some that you weren't expecting when we hired you on. Talk to me about the things you do. I do a lot of editing, (laughs) (laughs) Um, mostly editing audio and video, sometimes running sound, (laughs) all kinds of things, which I really enjoy. I had the chance to edit a lot of the Turkey episodes, so that was really exciting for me. Um, But yeah, just... Uh, work very closely with the content in the interviews, which I love. And this was sort of an, a side benefit that we found out you're in the film program mm-hmm. and have all these editing skills right at the time when it's weird that a podcast or even a radio show suddenly 
has to have video in the world we live in yes. to be to be noticed. And mm-hmm. so we're doing that. But how awesome to have very talented people like you working on this. Thank you. Who's somebody you picked? Um, so I picked the episode uh, 157, Us Versus Them. And, well, all the guests were amazing. I'll just say that. Um, I love the conversation about finding place in a community and just appreciating each other's traditions, asking questions and learning from each other and just sharing together as a community. Um, but I found an extract from Pritha Lal. Um, she talks about the concepts of fitting in and belonging and being a minority in a community and just how we may have misconceptions according to that and how she thinks of that. So, Sometimes you don't necessarily have to fit in. I'm sitting across this table. I'm wearing a sari, a bindi. I may not fit in, but do I belong? Heck yes, I do. Because we're talking about similar things. And what I've found in my 52 years (laughs) is that we belong more than we think we do because since we're always worried about fitting in, we don't go a little bit deeper and think, you know what, we do belong. If we can extend that belongingness to another person and make them feel that they belong too, um, it's very mutual. I just love that part because I feel like it speaks to me a lot too. Um, I'm an international student and so I identify a lot with that. And I just feel like when people have the predisposition to be open and to welcome others and just to share with each other and learn from each other's experiences, we can just um, help each other grow in a lot of senses and just create a fantastic sense of community um, which is just uplifting for everyone. Now, Pritha's background, originally from Calcutta, also from Kuwait, but she's been here in the States for decades and has advanced degrees, has, has uh, done work in several companies, uh, taking time now to be a mother and a life coach. So here's this situation where you could say in her position as a minority in the community, I hope people will reach out and create a space for me. What I get from her is that she's the one reaching out mm-hmm. and that that she draws other people in and by doing so in a way has just instantly has a space. It's kind of a mystical thing. <laughs> yeah, I think she... One, she's a huge fan of In Good Faith. I, I, like a any, super fan, yes, if you will. <laughs> she is a super fan. Anytime we've asked her to for help with anything, she is ready to help. And I'm assuming that that's not just about good, In Good Faith. That is, in fact, who she is as a person, is I want to be someone that people know they can turn to and people know that I'm ready to help. And, you know, within her religious tradition, there's, of course, um, a huge emphasis on service. But, you know— All of us, actually, all religions have that huge emphasis. But here's Pritha, who is working so hard to um, be part of the community in a really important, concrete way. Yeah, someone just with a very generous soul, I would say. You're listening to In Good Faith. This is our 2023 roundup of some of our favorites, some of our best of moments. And we'll be back with more in just a minute. Hi, Stephen Cap Perry here, host of In Good Faith. Here's another podcast from our BYU Radio family of podcasts I hope you'll check out. 
What I love is real. You know that saying, real recognize real? That's Lisa on The Lisa Show. Lisa Valentine Clark is a comedian. She's a believer, a single mother. And on The Lisa Show podcast, you will hear from the Council of Moms, a genius idea, which is actually one of my favorite parts of her show. And you'll hear about the challenges of life, parenting, mental health questions, social issues. Yes, you'll hear from experts, but also from people discussing their where the rubber meets the road life experience. It's The Lisa Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to In Good Faith. We're sitting around the table in the studio today talking about our favorite guests and some of our favorite moments from the past year. And one of mine is Reverend Daniela Lee. She goes by Danny or Reverend Danny. She's an Episcopal priest at St. Mary's Episcopal. And she has this really interesting story of growing up in Romania and being a Christian and then not quite feeling like she fit in her denomination for various reasons and then also being an immigrant She's had to learn several languages. She's gone through a religious journey to get where she is. And this, I was almost embarrassed about how short this quote is, <laughs> but it is so pithy and powerful. So here she is talking about loving people. Be as reckless as you can be with love. Give it away. Just give it away. Love everyone. And don't think that maybe they don't deserve it, maybe they won't appreciate it, maybe this, maybe that. No, just give it away, recklessly, without thought, share it. So, Reckless Love, which sounds like an album I would buy, <laughs> <laughs> or would have bought at some point in my life. But is there a better word? Because reckless means I'm not going to worry about all the possible things that could go wrong. And so, I, I don't know if there's another word that's better, but in my mind, I've just stuck with reckless. <laughs> and, and I think that there are times when I have an impulse to reach out to someone, I think, well, how will they take this? Or should I re... And it's like reckless love. Uh, not to bowl people over, but just to follow the impulse and, and just be there and to be open. Because she's somebody who serves people as a, a pastor... She really has the chance to meet people and to know about difficult circumstances, which I think probably the fact that she is full of reckless love must be so appealing and draw her parishioners in like, this is someone I know I can share with because of how she shares with me. I just want to say that I love how she mentions that and she, I don't know, I feel like we often think okay, we have to get to know someone. We have to know the circumstances. We just feel like we need to know more in order to offer that. But I love how she says, she doesn't say anything about that. She just says love. Like it's that simple. So I don't know. I love that. She's also a big Star Trek fan. So uh, <laughs> outside of the interview, we had our own discussion going about the theology of Star Trek, which actually was quite, I would love to be an episode someday. And Heather, we're too. We're working on it. We're working, we're working on, on it. it. So if you can suggest guests or know faith-based faith people from other planets, let us know. That would be a huge help for Ashton to research. <laughs> so. I love this quote, and I loved... What I think is interesting, of course, is that love has many different meanings, right? And and 
One of the meanings we use as Christians, we often tie love to charity, and then we tie that to service. Um, And I have been saddened, I think, um, in my own self how, you know, I'll feel this nudge to serve, and then I'll come up with all the reasons I don't need to, right? And I often tell myself that it's perfectly fine that I don't because that person— you know, she mentions loving someone who doesn't deserve it. And I think we often come up with, or I often come up with reasons, well, they're, they're not really working that hard themselves. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to swoop in and solve their problems or whatever it is. And I think, I don't remember Jesus ever saying to me via the New Testament, hey, um, when you think you want to serve someone, first come up with five reasons why they don't deserve any of your help. <laughs> And then maybe make your way over to them, right? (laughs) Like Mm. he just said, love one another and help, uh, help those who need help. And uh, her, that was a great reminder from her. Speaking of reckless, just talking about our guests in general, we ask a lot of people to come in and share their faith life. And so I thought, what what if someone invited me to do exactly what I invite other people to do? And every once in a while, a guest has turned around and they've shared an experience and they said, and so that's how I dealt with this. How about you, Steve? <laughs> and I've, suddenly I felt this bright spotlight swing <laughs> towards me and the beads of sweat started. And really, that's how I felt. I thought, oh, man, I do this to people every week. But I felt obligated to actually honestly share because of that's what I ask people to do. It's really an interesting thing to be reckless. And I think sometimes a way of showing reckless love is, is to be willing to share. That feels reckless. It feels like we've knocked down some walls that we thought were there for very good reasons. Yeah. So... I I just want to give a shout out to everybody who has been on our show in 2023 for being willing to be open and to share part of your life. And I think it's a blessing to all the rest of us. Leah, you've got somebody else. Yeah, and I think this idea of reckless love is a perfect transition to our next guest. So this is the episode that I probably have thought most about in the last year. It's from the same episode with Daniela Lee, this is Colin Campbell, and he talks about grief and how sometimes when people are grieving, they're not given enough community and how hard that can be. Over and over again, we see someone suffers a catastrophic loss and they want to be left alone to grieve. And the reality is that grievers spend a lot of time alone. (laughs) And Mm. what we really need is community because we get plenty of alone time. I've never heard anybody in any of the grief circles I've ever been in telling me that they've got too much community. (laughs) They've had too many people reach out to them, right? That's I've never heard that. But I have heard the inverse over and over and over again. I think it's a beautiful reminder that we should be looking outward. And Colin Campbell talks about the cliche, there are no words. People would come up and talk to him and be like, oh, there are just no words. Because he had lost his teenage children in a car accident. Right. Yeah, so that was the catastrophic event that he's talking about in his own life. And he says, well, I need to talk. I have words that I need to express. And people are coming to me and saying, there's nothing we can say. There's nothing to be said. And he talks about, along the same lines as Benjamin Perry, letting yourself feel the fullness of despair. I really liked how he said that. He did this brave thing, which was, uh, first of all, he considers himself atheist or agnostic, but he attends synagogue with his wife 
And, and so he's very involved in the Jewish tradition. And one of those traditions is that people will come over to your house when you've lost someone and say this mourner's prayer, Kaddish. And at first he talks about who he thought, this is the last thing I want is these people coming into my house. I need some, I, I want to be. And then he realized, no, I am alone almost all the time. And and what a gift it became it became for him, even though he was in tears every time as they would uh, recite this prayer. I thought that was just another really brave, a brave thing of him to say, I'm going to let these people into my life because for thousands of years, there is some utility to this process that's been developed of how to walk with people through mourning. And I think we could use more of that <laughs> in our lives, of the, the wisdom of the past that we would allow into our lives in ways that have been shown to help us walk through difficult experiences. Yeah, and I think that this, the way he talks about dependence on others and the importance of community also harkens back to the quote we heard from Ben Perry. And I just think that the sense of community is so intrinsic to religion and faith because when we are together, when there's others helping us through, when we help others through, um, that's when we're able to, to come closest to God, when we are in the service of others and when we are, allow ourselves to be served by others. And that, that is very spiritual, a very spiritual relationship in grief. Mm. I think uh, one of the things I've been thinking about this year, and a number of our guests have talked about it, is that Often we think of religion as just a way to make ourselves better. Like, I'm going to get really good <laughs> because of this religion or spirituality I carry around with me. But if that religion or spirituality is not also pushing you to become better in community, to make your community better, to serve others, then really what what have we accomplished, right? Mm. Um, and so I keep thinking about that and— what kind of community do I want to live in and what kind of community, what strengths do I want my community to have and how can I help affect that? Yeah, and I want to be in a place where people like Heather Bigley are my neighbors. So I know that I have neighbors who, <laughs> Move the who think things like that. Yeah, I want my neighbors and I want me to, to think that way. That's great. Ashton, who, who else did you pick? Yes, my second episode is from our Turkey series, episode 167. It's the fourth in the Turkey series about the caves of Cappadocia and ancient Christianity. In this episode, um, most, the big chunk of it is recorded on site with Steve and Heather and uh, the crew that went to Turkey is in these caves in, in Cappadocia, a region of Turkey, where they are exploring these ancient areas underground where early Christians over a millennia and a half ago fleed persecution, hid underground in these caves in Turk in what is now Turkey in order to worship freely and be able to to worship. And I th- this clip that we're about to hear is really significant to me because I think it displays uh, what's really important about faith and what's at the base of religion. Different traditions in Christianity have different ideas about whether a chapel or a place of worship should be completely plain and simple or whether it should be highly decorated. But what I feel here, and this is part of my Christian tradition, to see images of Christ is a connection with the people who had the faith and for whom this was important to create 
really a holy space. And one of the ways they made it holy was these images from stories from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, and stories of the saints and their faithfulness. And so when I look around and I see Christ on the cross, I see a depiction of him in the tomb and then coming forth when I see him with his disciples for the Last Supper. I just feel a connection that I know there is something I have in common with them. So when I come to a place like this, I'm not analyzing which is the best way to do something. This was the way they thought was the best. And I want to honor that. And it, it really touches me. You can hear that cave sound. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can. And the significance of this to me is that even a millennia and a half ago, underground in these caves, it's so much different than what we have now in America where we worship or anywhere else around the world or even in Istanbul, these these large buildings of worship, grand. Um, what matters most in these caves in the church was Christ, as Steve talked about, was always at the center of these spaces, no no matter where they were or how how dark and how how hollow. And I think that just really points to the main focus of religion and faith is who we are worshiping, not what, why, when, or how. And those things are all important. Ritual is important, as we've heard in other episodes. All of these things uh, give us give us different things. But at the end of the day, as Steve said, Christ for these Christians and for Christians as us now today and God, that was the that was a through line. That was the one, the similarity between us. And I think that stretches across all religions is that God is at the center more than anything else, more than any of these rituals, more than any of these places. You're listening to In Good Faith. This is our 2023 year-end roundup, our best of discussion. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Hi, In Good Faith listeners, Stephen Cap Perry here. I want to let you know about a special treat for you and your family. This starts December 1st, just in time for the Advent season. Our sister podcast, Constant Wonder, will be dropping a short daily episode with an inspiring Christmas theme. It might be a story from nature, art, or the Bible. Because remember, in the story, the Magi were not Jewish. They were coming from the East, from different traditions. And yet they're being drawn together in this moment of worship. It kind of gives you that hope that maybe there would be this ability for us to cross all the things that divide us and worship and wonder together. Each episode is just about 10 minutes long, making it easy to bring the Christmas spirit into your life throughout the holidays. Check out the Constant Wonder Advent series starting December 1st on your favorite podcast platform or the BYU Radio app. Welcome back to In Good Faith. This is our 2023 end-of-year roundup, talking about some of our favorite moments and insights from some of the amazing guests that we've had on all year. Heather, I think your next one is from our time in Turkey. And and maybe give just a little background. Why did we decide to go there? So uh, we decided to go to Istanbul because of its history, because of all the different religions that have uh, held sway there 
um, how they've replaced each other over time. Uh, And it was sort of our chance to uh, meet people we wouldn't normally meet and also sort of inform our audience in some ways. Like, uh, I don't know that many people can find Turkey on a map. We were going to do that experiment (laughs) for a while (laughs) here on BYU campus. Um, And even if they have heard of Turkey, I don't know that they know how central Turkey has been to the religious um, life of most of us because it has been this place where Christianity flourished and and was kind of spread. Um, Judaism was there. Uh, Islam is there. Um, just, yeah, I don't think people know those stories. Yeah. Crossroads of faith, yeah. as they say. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's interesting. It's one thing to study. It's one thing to show up as we did the last day of Ramadan, special celebration of Eid, a feast, a, a feast that you were not allowed to fast. You were instructed to eat right. and celebrate. And so we're there and we hear the prayers from the imam inside. But then afterwards, there's the other little things that you can't really prepare for from a book, which is having little children run up to you and give you candy and things that they've made to share the joy of the day. Yeah. And you find out, oh, there's just so much more to this that I could not know without being here myself. One of the uh, episodes of Turkey that was actually really important to me, both in putting together uh, the episode, but also after the episode aired, was our second episode about Jewish communities in Turkey. Right. And we went to Sardis, first of all, which was amazing, right? It's this um, incredible um, ruins that have been... What, what do they do to ruins? Recapitulated? No, that's not the word. <laughs> Reconstructed yes. to some degree. <laughs> okay, they've been reconstructed. <laughs> and uh, we walked through, and there were bir- there were birds everywhere, but the birds flying through, the swallows, and um, we looked at the tile, and we talked about what it would be like to have been this community. That um, What's interesting, of course, about that synagogue is it was donated to that community from the Roman emperor, um, a way of saying thank you for all the ways that the Jews had benefited um, the empire. So that was really fascinating to me. Um, but then uh, I, we met Avram Seventi, and he told us this really interesting fact. So we'll listen to Avram now. I would like to start with Sephardic Jewish people because the majority of the Jewish people, they came from Spain. In the end of 15th century, let's say about 1492, they were expelled from Spain. And at this time, uh, European countries, they didn't want to accept those Jewish people. But the Ottoman Sultan II, he accepted the Jewish people, even they sent ships to take them. Mm. Maybe 150,000 people, they came from Spain to Istanbul, and they went to all over Turkey. So your family has been here for 500 uh, years? Yes, yes. My father's family side, they came directly from Sevilla to Turkey. And my mother's family side, they went from Spain to Portugal first, then they went to Holland, Amsterdam, and then they came from Amsterdam to Turkey. So we are Sephardic. So, I didn't know that. 
Yeah. It, and it's this mystifying thing of how the Jews have never been in the majority right. in present-day Turkey. But since the time of the Babylonians, there has always been some small community or two that has managed to just continue in this thread through all of these different layers of Romans and Persians and, and Christians and Ottomans. Yes. Amazing. And here we had the Ottoman Empire at that time. The Ottoman Empire had its ups and downs. Uh, it made good choices and bad choices. But at that time, <laughs> it decided that it was going to reach out and save the lives of 150,000 people. And that, to me, gives me hope for so many situations we have going on in the world um, that, you know, we often say, you know, we, all, we often talk down about government, but government can save lives, and there just has to be the political will to do it. And I had told my family I was going to Turkey, and I had so a, a many variety of responses from my family that I was going to Turkey, um, most of them negative, because there's a negative attitude towards a country that's 97% Muslim. Um, and I remember talking to my stepmother, who is Jewish, and she made a couple of comments. And I said, I know this was 500 years ago, but I want to tell you the story of the Sephardic Jews mm. who made it to Turkey. And I watched her face just completely changed. Mm. You know, here in uh, LDS land, we use the term softened hearts. I watched her heart be softened. And um, and that was really important to me. Like, we have to make sure we celebrate the good things that people do. And we have to encourage them to continue to do good things. Mm. So, And I love how this is a representation of our Turkey series as a whole. I feel like we were able to learn so much and be able to share that information with, with you about how, um, you know, today, as you were saying, we don't view Turkey as this religiously diverse nation. It's not a religiously diverse nation today, but we were able to learn so much that we would have never known about the incredibly diverse religious history of of this land and this area. And yeah, just as Avram shared with us about the huge number of Sephardic Jews who who were able to find residence in Turkey in in that time after their expulsion is incredible. And I have to say that Avram and... And you only hear his voice, but the group that is the the council of of the Jewish community group there could not have been more welcoming. And he was so generous and invited us. Please, let's come record in one of the synagogues. It yeah. was a, it was really a kind gesture. In closing our turkey discussion, I want to point people to the YouTube page. We have a lot of super cool footage of Turkey. You can see the caves that Ashton was talking about. We brought a big camera crew, and we want you to see it. So go to YouTube and check it out. Yeah. Which is kind of a delight for a podcast and a radio show that we can't say, go go online and see it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah. fun. Who else did you pick, Katarina? So for this one, we're going from Turkey to Chicago. <laughs> um, so it was mentioned briefly earlier, but this um, these stories were shown for the Parliament of World Religions on the presentation, and it was so fun to see and hear from the same members of the Chicago community um, just to hear about their interfaith efforts and how they would always show up for each other as different faiths and how they would see beyond their differences and try to find connections and help each other and 
just participate in lots of service. And they have a beautiful community there. So the extract that I found is from Shoei Kadri. And he's talking a little bit about his own experience with this and how the interfaith work that they have going on has taught him a lot and has changed his perspective on a lot of things. When you talk to people of other faiths, you, it strengthens your own belief uh, because you see there are so many people who believe in God, who, who use different means uh, to achieve uh, each of their you know, individual or, or faith goals, if you will. But you know, it, it's, it's amazing. It's good to see uh, that all of us are striving towards similar goals, although the paths may be slightly different. But we all you know, are faith-based organizations, so faith-based people. I just love that last part. I think it's so important that we recognize that although we may have differences between each other, we are all striving for similar goals. We all have faith. We're all trying to become better people. And I think as soon as we recognize that, it changes our perspective on others and we are able to love more and serve more. And one of the things that I thought was so honest of uh, Mr. Kadri was when he said, we started this interfaith action as, in their case, from a mosque as Muslims to be able to correct misinformation that people had. And he said, and of course, I discovered my own misinformation. Hmm. Like, that was sort of a surprise. Like, we want to help people understand us, but then to be brought face to face with oh, I actually have some wrong ideas about some of these other people as well. It seemed very healthy yeah. to me. And what beautiful examples from that. It's the NILA is their group, the Naperville Interfaith Leaders Association. Yes. And we interviewed uh, people of several different faiths there. And, and as you mentioned, Katarina, how they showed up for each other when there had been a shooting in a synagogue somewhere that, that the, the Muslim community showed up at the local synagogue with signs of support mm -hmm. and basically showing, we're here to protect you. And then the bookend was those folks go in for their Shabbat service and realize, oh, it's Friday. These people, these Muslim folks have given up their Friday prayers for us. Let's invite them into our synagogue and give them a room. They can do their prayers. And more of that should happen in the yes. world we live mm -hmm. in. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's important to say Kata was the one who edited together out of many disparate pieces, <laughs> emailed to us from Chicago and also um, things that we were able to pull together, all kinds of things for our presentation um, that she uh, didn't even get to go to Chicago and sort of take a bow there. But uh, we're really glad that she worked so hard on that project for but us. But that presentation is online as well. On YouTube, yeah. yeah. The In Good Faith YouTube channel. Yeah, I think the Chicago episode and what Shoaib shared in that clip and the story of the support between the mosque and the synagogue and really just everything in the episode really gets at the heart of interfaith work and what it's all about and what we try and do on this show, what they try and do in Naperville and what all, all interfaith activists around the world are trying to do. And I just, I really love the way it was represented in those interviews and discussions. Mm. Well, thank you for the perfect segue into my second guest, who is uh, Reverend Marion Edmonds Allen. And she's, she splits her time between working for a group called Parity for Equality in New York City and working here uh, locally. 
in Christian communities. And she tells this great story of how they wanted to help some kids who were homeless here in the state and some folks in the state legislature who said, there are none, there are no kids, they're, they're just runaways. And she was really taken aback, like, okay, I've got to... She had spent her life trying to be an activist and speak with as loud a voice as possible and try and get her point across. And then she had this experience with the person that she would have thought of as her adversary or her opponent in the state legislature. And this person showed up at one of the places that they were doing work for homeless people and, and giving out supplies. And in comes this teenager who's stuffing their backpack with more than they, they need just for a day. And, and this person from the legislature starts to ask them a question and the teenager doesn't know them, so they take off. But the thought of this legislature member is, where is your coat? Because she's a parent. She's like, where's your coat? And she realizes, oh, there are kids in this situation that I've been told about. And so she starts thinking and then pretty soon organizes something and shows up with a truckload of coats and scarves and gloves so that this place where they're trying to accomplish good will have those supplies. And so suddenly, Marion Edmonds Allen finds herself partnered with the person she thought was her enemy and realizing there are better ways than just trying to speak louder than the other person. And so here's a little clip of her talking about that, giving advice to all of us. Look for what is most on your heart. What is the thing that you can't stop thinking about? What's the need in the world that keeps popping into your mind? And then here is the scary part Look for someone who's different from you, who may even have a different reason to care and make friends with them. So she she is advising us to do what she had experienced in her life, her own journey and her understanding even of how to be an activist changed into just drawing people in, finding people who care about something you care about, maybe even especially if they are very different from you. That can be hard to do. I think she's right. It's scary. I think it's terrifying. (laughs) I mean, especially all the I mean, we've talked about stories, the power of stories and the stories we tell ourselves about how we're the good guy doing the right thing. And then those people over there, they don't really get it. Um, That's a hard story to stop telling yourself. And, um, yeah, I I loved meeting her and everybody— Listen to that episode. It's episode uh, 151. It's so great. So I come back again to the chance to have a front row seat to people who have wisdom because they have tried to grow spiritually and often had to face things that they would not have chosen, situations they wouldn't have chosen, whether it could be political, it could be just economics, it could be the disasters of life and painful things that happen and how they have sought spiritual solutions and found ways to make themselves open. Everything from uh, Benjamin Perry deciding that he needed to know how to cry again and going on this really involved project that ended up benefiting him spiritually and his relationship with God. Um, And as you talked about, Leah, uh, Colin Campbell going through a really difficult loss and finding ways to connect through community. There is so much that we can do as 
people of faith, both person to person and in communities, but especially if we don't just wall ourselves off in our own little little compound and say we will do all the good we can within these four walls, Mm -hmm. but that we open up with reckless love, (laughs) to quote another guest, and see the world improve and people's lives improve. Any other comments or a a guest we didn't get to or... I was thinking, could we say, check out the, like, um, extended interviews on YouTube? (laughs) Yeah, so Kata's been working on extended interviews of uh, some of these that we cut down. If you've been paying attention, we've been cutting some of these interviews to, like, 22, 20 minutes. But if you want more, uh, Kata's been working on the extended interview, and you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, which is really nice. We're always sad when we have to edit for broadcast time. It's just a hard deadline or a hard fact that we have to deal with. So it's really a huge blessing that we can say, go hear even more of this wise person that we love (laughs) on our YouTube channel. That's really great. I have to say um, kudos to Leah. I remember Leah being part of this episode last year. (laughs) My first week It was her first week, and she (laughs) was a little shy and a little quiet. Um, And I, in fact, when I was editing, I was like, do we even include Leah? Because she said (laughs) so little. And I thought, do we cut her out? What do we do? Uh, And here she is holding her own and uh, how she has blossomed over the year. (laughs) Thank you. Lovely. Well, we're here doing our end-of-year roundup for 2023, but of course, we've already been hard at work on our next season that starts on January 7th. So just a little teaser, January 7th, we have an episode with Jeff McCullough from Hello Saints, which is a YouTube show, kind of a podcast, but you subscribe to it. He has a big following and has some really interesting ideas to share and talk about. And we've paired him in that episode with someone many of our Christian listeners will know, Russell Moore from the magazine Christianity Today. And boy, what a thinker and a generous heart as well. And we got to interview both of these gentlemen in person right here in our studios, which I always love when we can be face-to-face in the very same room. So we have a whole new season that's beginning January 7th, and we hope you will tune in. And especially if you have a particular episode you love, it's so easy to just share that with a friend and say, I really like this. I think you like this too. And be sure that you are subscribed and suggest to others that they might subscribe to In Good Faith.